Officer down! I repeat, Officer down! Welcome back to 1033. This is your host, Nathan Kapler. A podcast created for a first responder by a first responder. If you are not a first responder, you still are welcome. This podcast is aimed directly at trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is complex and often misunderstood. Our brave men and women who serve our communities often end up with behavioral and psychological issues as a result of experienced trauma from their careers. My goal is to share what I know, my personal experience with PTSD as a retired police officer, and continue to advocate for mental health while providing support to those still in their careers. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical help, and I strongly suggest if you are in fact suffering, you seek out professional medical advice. Please join me on this episode as I continue to expose the reality of PTSD challenges. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. In last week's episode, we covered my journey into rehab and what that looked like. I had stepped through the doors into a place that was oh so unfamiliar. I had never been here before. I held fear and shame and guilt, but at the same time I also held curiosity and hope. Once inside, I saw just how many people there were in rehab. I knew I wasn't alone. Thinking that you are not alone in your struggle is one thing, but seeing that you are not alone is an entirely different experience. It's one that can leave you with the feeling of hope, connection, understanding, and belonging. For some of us that have to go through PTSD, it's an incredibly isolating thing to have to go through. And it can be accompanied by social isolation, this desire too for ourselves to keep us separated from others. We initially may think that this is a self-coping mechanism that is positive for us when in reality it is actually harmful. So here I was, in rehab, finally acknowledging and doing the very thing that I needed to do most, which was deal with this post-traumatic stress head-on. Now again, the trauma program that I was a part of was filled up with roughly 15 people, 15 first responders. At first, I was actually shocked that there was this many people at rehab for a first responder program. It was the first time I was getting a taste or at least an observation of just how big this problem really was. We also talked last week too about how I started to look at and address some of the childhood trauma that came along with my post-traumatic stress. Some of the traumatic things that I had seen as a police officer. I had allowed myself to revisit pain from my childhood, which later on in life would give me a lens of which to look through, a perspective to hold. Now as a grown man, an adult, experiencing trauma as a police officer in my career. When I initially walked into rehab, I was under the belief that I would be there just to fix the trauma that I had been through. That was my assumption. And oh, was I wrong. In order to deal with my policing trauma, because yes, it is valid, it did happen to me. In order to deal with my policing trauma... I had to first learn to reconnect with myself, my childhood self, and deal with some of the pain that also came from the past. And I use the analogy of the twisted piece of yarn. If on one end of that string of yarn that's gnarled and twisted and misshapen, 
exists our traumatic experience later on in life as police officers. We oftentimes too have trauma at the very end or the other end of that yarn that also needs to be dealt with. Only then can we twist that piece of yarn back into its original shape. That is what the healing process can look like if you have post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, a very fundamental part of understanding yourself is when you first get to rehab, or at least when I did, I began writing out my life story on paper. And it took me almost the entire six weeks to get it out. But when we go back and we acknowledge some of the things that we have been through as children all throughout our entire life, and we write down this story onto paper, the therapy that happens between the mind and the hand is also a cool little trick, something that brings us ease in therapy. It's an outlet for us. We are designed to write. A lot of people choose to journal later on in life, and there is a very real therapeutic connection to that, the mind and the hand letting it out, getting the thoughts out, writing everything down, and not holding it in. So as I began to write out my entire story, the therapy was happening without me even really realizing it. I had never done this in my life. I had never written out my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and my history. But here I was doing it. And I actually enjoyed it. It felt like at times I was taking off pieces of the armor to finally reveal who I really was and that the weight was getting lighter and I was becoming free. Now, some of us in rehab would go on to share that story if you were ready. I didn't hit that point, not in the six weeks that I was there. I was still fairly closed off even when I left. I still had a lot of processing, a lot of thinking, a lot of acknowledging to do. But nonetheless, I did take pride in the fact that I got my full story out. And that was everything. Now, the one thing that will happen in those moments is you will share your story with your therapist. So you will be forced or at least pushed to share it with at least one person. And there is value in that. As hard as it was to read my story to someone else, and as much fear as I held over my own story for whatever the reason may be, when it was done, it was worth addressing that fear head on as well. The other aspect to this that we talked about last week, the other component to last week's episode, was the concept that trauma actually lives in the body and not necessarily the mind. This was a new idea for me. This was one that I had to learn about and understand. For so long, I had thought to myself that all of the trauma existed in my head, and from there it spanned out and it created all of the issues in the body. And it was actually the opposite of that. You see, after years of experienced traumatic events and that fight-or-flight response kicking in many times over, all of the adrenaline and the emotion that swirled in those moments had almost in essence been trapped within the muscles, left unprocessed like an anchor in my own life, unresolved, trapped away, and saved for later whenever later was finally going to hit. So this trauma now that sat in my body and impacted the body in ways of depression and anxiety and other issues that came with PTSD, all of the symptomology behind it, was now telling the body every single day that I was under attack, I was threatened by something, I could not find ease anymore. 
I could not find peace. No doubt I couldn't sleep anymore. I couldn't find calm. I couldn't connect with others. I couldn't even connect with myself. I was in a constant state of fight or flight. And I would also argue for the entire duration of my day. And as well sometimes as I tried to sleep at night. The body cannot exist in that state for very long. So now recognizing that the trauma existed in my body, I was able to shift my perspective from thinking and believing that mentally there was something wrong with me, creating this issue, when in reality there was nothing wrong with me. It was the body that was leading the charge, and the mind was following. And in order to heal the mind, I had to first address all of that trauma that was sitting in the body. Quite simply, if the body is healthy, the mind follows. So as we were beginning to tell our stories, all 15 of us and get it out, we had group therapy daily, we had meditation daily, we were teaching the body how to talk and get some of these harder things out. And much like the gazelle, I would sit with my times often as I spoke and just lightly shake. The entire body would just lightly shake. And that sensation that many of us know when we talk about something hard, maybe something that has happened to us, is the body doing its very natural instinct. What it's designed to do, and that's to shake, to get the chemicals out, to release the toxins from the muscles, to allow the trauma to come out. One of the main focuses too while I was there was connection. Not only connection externally, but connection internally. In the beginning, we learned something called SUDS, Significant Units of Distress. This was almost like a self-assessment tool, one that we were able to use to check in with ourselves first thing when we woke up and then multiple times throughout the day to see where we were. Where was our anxiety? Where was our depression? How were we feeling? Let's check in with the body and see where it's at. See where the pain is at and acknowledge it. See, for so many years, I hadn't acknowledged any of the things I had went through anymore. I'd become so numb that things happened to me and I didn't really experience them. I did, but not mentally. The body experienced them, but the mind blocked everything out, or at least tried to. So as I began to connect to myself and recognize where the body exactly was in some of these events, I quickly realized just how big the impact was of certain things that were happening to me. I started to recognize that and acknowledge the impact and process things, and be connected in the moment, and not allow myself to check out or escape reality, disassociate. One of the most important things that I had forgotten to do over the course of my career was to check in with myself to see how things were impacting me, to see what needed to be addressed. I was in an autopilot mode for years, doing life but not really being here. So learning how to check back in with the body and signal kind of where I was. Write it down on paper. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the fear that came from the stomach, the anxiety, or the depression, the lack of energy, or just the overall pain from all of these years of stored traumatic events. I began to feel, and I began to connect with myself, which allowed me to not only connect with myself, but with others. I think for a large portion of my career, I got very good at being a logical human being, but I had forgotten at times too that there was a very real emotional component to ourselves. 
and that many of our experiences should be just that, emotionally based. That allows us to have the true connection with others, allows us to enjoy that connection with others and stay healthy. But for me, over the years, it had become very hard to stay connected with others as I emotionally shut down and was no longer connected with myself. When I first began group therapy and rehab, I didn't like it either. What grown man wants to sit in a room full of strangers and talk about how he's sad or angry or frustrated or happy or even cry in front of others? I had told myself so many times, don't share anything, Nate. Somebody will judge you. And what I now recognize that means to me is that somebody would hurt me for being vulnerable. But what I was actually met by was when I shared my feelings and got comfortable with group therapy. I was met with compassion and love and understanding and true connection. People that had been there. And when you get to a point where you can finally share your true most inner dark secrets, your feelings, whatever the case is, and somebody on the other end can hold space for you. You see that you really are not alone, and you allow your healing journey to begin. I can honestly say after six weeks of sitting with group therapy, some of those people that I sat with, I knew I was going to miss them. They had been such huge pillars in my story of success. I would later learn, though, that once I get thrusted back out into the real world, that I would have to find a new group, a new way to keep the conversation going guess the podcast is one form of this for me. I love getting this stuff out now. But it wasn't always this easy for me to talk about it, even in the real world. As I navigated the world of rehab, I quickly saw just how beneficial sleep was. I talked a little bit about this last episode. Sleep is almost one of those things that if you're sleeping well, the foundation is strong. You are going to be okay. But when your sleep goes, the issues come in. And they sometimes come in more than you can handle. But in rehab, this was where I slept so well for six weeks. Day after day, I was getting up. I was feeling rested, recognizing that in that moment, I actually saw myself having energy to tackle the day and was able to do just that. Had the energy to look at myself and internally connect or externally connect and go about the different exercises that we had to do. A major focus while we were there too also was nutrition. Ensuring that the body was getting the right nutrition into it. Real food, not processed. Making sure your water intake was significant. The fuel you put into your car matters. The amount of sleep that you have matters. If you're taking care of yourself in those two worlds, the rest of this journey will be so much easier. Now, one of my biggest hurdles when I was there was my anger and was my rage and my relationship with those two emotions. For so many years, I had avoided feeling sad or feeling hurt and flipped it into anger or rage in order to try and maintain some level of control in my world. Now, I wouldn't be shocked to hear a lot of men that go through this. Anger and rage in men is something that is very common. Now, normally for men, men that struggle with their anger or their rage, it's an emotion that we can call upon to exhibit externally while we try to run from the sub-underlying issue or the emotion internally. 
Now, for me, my anger, something that I learned about my anger was that it was a very real secondary emotion to me. It was the emotion that I would bring out when I was actually experiencing a different emotion. For men, I would argue that a lot of times when they are angry, they too go through this as well. That emotion that oftentimes hides behind the anger is fear, loss, or sadness. And instead of trying to allow those feelings to happen, we believe they may create some vulnerability, a sense or a loss of control. They may make us uncomfortable. So what do we do? We shift into anger to try and maintain some of that control. Some of us men don't know how to allow those emotions to happen. Fear, loss, or sadness. We've never been shown We maybe don't even know what it looks like, how to express that, how to feel it, how to acknowledge it, how to let it run its course, how to not hide from it. Emotional intelligence is not just being logical about your emotions and understanding that over 20 emotions exist in the human body. Emotional intelligence also includes allowing yourself to feel these very real things. Understanding that it's okay to feel these things, that you don't have to run from it, that you don't have to present another emotion, a secondary emotion, i.e. anger. How many police officers out there have ever sat with themselves and allowed themselves to, to feel and express that sadness, that loss, or that fear? If I'm to think back to all of the certain calls that I had over my career, So many of those real traumatic ones, the bad ones, involve just that, fear and loss and sadness. After 14 years of experiencing this and not allowing those emotions to happen, no doubt the only thing I reverted back to and felt comfortable with was anger. It was the only thing I knew, aside from being numb. There's a joke that goes around in the RCMP in the Mounties. Once in a while, a Mountie will have to go ODS, off-duty sick. The Mounties that are left at work will often joke and say, well, he went off-duty mad. Somehow that's comical. In reality, it isn't funny at all. That person maybe actually did have to go home mad because they have forgotten and they no longer know how to process these very real emotions. Anger for me was scary. And my anger for others around me in my inner circle was also scary for them too. I have to acknowledge that. And if I have to acknowledge that, many others most likely have to acknowledge it in themselves. As I learned about my relationship with anger, it naturally started to decrease. I allowed myself to feel those feelings of being fearful, of having had experienced loss, or feeling sad. As I was finally dealing with the body and treating it and letting it find its own peace, naturally that anger started to fade even more so. And I was finding I was actually allowing myself to feel emotions behind experiences, behind connection with others. On the weekends, it was a little bit of a slower time at rehab. We had more time to do as we pleased. There might have been some homework, but for the most part... He took care of a few chores around the facility, stayed connected, and oftentimes there would be a presentation on a Sunday where we would hear someone else's story. 
when I first started this podcast, one of the first episodes was The Power of Story. And while I watched others tell their story, and I was in no shape to tell mine, I started to see the strength that others possessed to tell their story, and I admired that. As I started to watch others tell their story, I started to pull in parts of their story and realize that many parts of their story I too shared. They were also parts of my story. And I started to fill in the gaps of my own story by listening to someone else's. Started to almost gain confidence by listening to someone else's story. I didn't recognize it in that moment, but it was getting me ready to tell my story. And that was the very thing that my therapist had told me in the, in the beginning. Was that, Nate, you are so closed off. You are going to have to be able to tell your story to anyone and everyone in order to heal from this. It takes time to get to that point. I get it. Trust me, I've been there. I didn't just get onto podcasting, telling my entire story. The very next day, I was in rehab in 2019. This has taken me years to get to this point. After I had retired, found sobriety, many things had to be put in place before I could even show up and do this. I had to put in so much hard work to get to this place that I stand today. And I'm proud of myself. And I share it because I know that others have to do this too. And I know how hard that journey is. But it is worth it. Distractions too for us are very problematic in this world. They can be interlaced with escaping reality or addiction issues. I'm not talking about alcohol and I'm not talking about substances. I'm talking about things that exist below that. Maybe we have an addiction to caffeine, smoking, cell phones, pornography, whatever the case may be. Something that we use as a tool to escape reality. You need to be able to look at your own life and ask yourself those hard questions. What is that thing that I use, because we all have it, to escape reality? While in rehab, they took that very thing from me. They took my phone away. I no longer could zone out and stare into my phone escape reality, let my days be consumed by it. The very thing that that allowed me to do was to connect with myself, and that was the very thing that I needed most. So be careful with those relationships that you have with that behavior of escaping reality. You're allowed to do it. Just hold awareness into how much you do it, and the why, and the how often. One of the other great things we did in rehab, and it sounds so simple, but we walked. And we walked a lot. We didn't walk fast. We walked quite slow. And we were shown the benefit of walking slow, what it does for the body, and how it allows you to enjoy your walk and acknowledge the things that are in your environment while you are walking. That's called grounding. And grounding is a very effective tool for combating PTSD and PTSD symptoms. In those walks, you would pay attention to the breathing that you were doing within the body, how deep, making sure that enough oxygen was getting in, that your breaths weren't shallow. Shallow breaths means a trauma response. We need to get away from that. You were paying attention to the sounds, the sights, the smells, the fresh air, feeling the body as it moved, acknowledging any pain, any emotion, any issue that existed on the walk. All very simple things that one would never really think about, but things that we had stopped doing completely and taken them for granted. 
as we navigated the world in autopilot. To this day, walking is something that I still enjoy, and I still approach it in a very, very delicate fashion. For me, it's a tool on my tool belt, something that helps me in my overall health. I work out hard, I test the body, and I stay physically active, but I also make sure that when I go for a walk, it's slow, it's deliberate, it's intentional, it's focused, and it's balanced in grounding. Now, for some of us that go through something significant like this, oftentimes there are people in our lives that have hurt us. And as we deal with our anger and we try to let go, we try to look at these people and have some resemblance of love, some, some resemblance of acceptance or forgiveness. And there were many people that I had to reflect on that I had now resented the beginning stages of my journey. And I now had to challenge myself and figure out how to find forgiveness for them. And that one can be tricky. But it is something that can be done. The growth that I saw in rehab, not only in myself, but in others to this day, overwhelms me with joy. I know many from rehab have gone off and led successful lives. Some have relapsed. And some, unfortunately, are no longer with us. The positivity to this, though, far outweighs anything negative that has happened There are so many success stories out there now because people have finally acknowledged that they need to go away. They need to deal with their problems. It's a hard step. And I respect those people immensely. They hit their rock bottom. I hit my rock bottom. I accepted my mistakes from the past and decided to grow from there. Now, as I would come to the end of rehab, I would actually become quite fearful fearful to go home, fearful of how I was now going to take everything that I had learned and now apply it to my life at home when I had less time, more stress. It wasn't this self-contained environment where support and safety were built all around you. Coming out of rehab and coming home is something that you do with extreme caution. I didn't want to see anybody for the first little bit. And the people that I did see was unnerving for me to, again, connect with them. I was different now. I had to be. Some knew about the pain that I had previously. Some did not. Some were a part of that pain. How was I going to move my life forward now and continue to have relationships with everyone in it? Find that love and that compassion for for everyone else. The one thing I knew was I was not going to let my fear hold me back anymore. I did have a career coming home. I was still employed with the RCMP. And they, up to that point, were fairly supportive still. I eventually would go on to retire. But coming home, I did hold hope for the fact and belief that I would be able to go back to work. My healing, though, was more important to me now at this stage. Going back to work was still secondary. It was something that I wanted, but I also knew I wasn't ready to go back. I still was having to take a knee and focus on myself. As my journey came to a close at Edgewood, I was sad to leave, thankful and appreciative for the people that had poured their hearts and souls into me and into my recovery. Without them, I would not be where I am today. Anyone that reaches out to me and asks for feedback on rehab, I am extremely supportive of it you are asking those questions about rehab, you need to go, and you need to go as soon as possible. 
Do not let your fear hold you back. Do not find reasons to keep yourself out of rehab. For now, we are going to break from this week's episode. I look forward to reconnecting with you next week. Much love. I hope you enjoyed this last episode. As we continue to grow, I would appreciate your support. Please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Leave a comment or a review and share this with anyone that you may know may benefit from what we are discussing. Have a great week, and as always, thank you for tuning in.